find it difficult. It was a difficult book uh, to look at, I thought so. Uh, those who originally uh, read the book, of course, were Jews, and they knew the Old Testament really well. Uh, we, unfortunately, were not in that position. And so we struggled. Do you remember Melchizedek? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Yost uh, did a brilliant uh, sermon on, uh, on Hebrews 5. Um, but if you think you understand who Melchizedek was and or who he wasn't and all that, come and tell me afterwards because I'm still completely lost on that. Uh, it was difficult, wasn't it, Hebrews? But there was one passage in Hebrews that I found particularly challenging. Not, not a difficult passage. I understood what it said. But I found it particularly challenging. And it was a passage that spanned two, two chapters. Chapters 5 and chapter 6. And this is what it said. Uh, it said this. <clears throat> About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you. Teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Therefore, let us leave the elemental doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance for, did work, for, good work, for dead works, and of faith towards God, and of instruction about washings, and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now I found these challenging words. N not because those that the writer was writing had done anything wrong. No, they hadn't done anything wrong at all. But simply because they'd not grown up. They'd not moved on. They'd not stopped being children. They'd not grown into maturity. Now, now, I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. About 70 years, I suppose. Probably a lot longer than many of the Hebrews who, people who read the book of Hebrews. Uh, and I've done a two-year course at a theological college, and I've had some great Christian teachers and mentors over the years. I should be mature in faith, shouldn't I? And many of you are in that position as well. You should be. You see, in every area of our lives, in our understanding of biblical truth, in our devotion, in our worship, in our behavior, in our evangelism, we're expected and required to grow up. To no longer behave like infants and children. Now, in everyday life, we We've all experienced, witnessed someone who's not matured properly, haven't we? It may be because of a situation before their birth or at their birth or maybe an accident in early life. Now, these are real people. They are people who still have something, they have value. They have still have something to contribute. They're great people. But we experience a sense of sadness, do we not, at their predicament? 
And I think God experiences the same sort of sadness when his sons and daughters don't grow up as they should. Now, I believe this is true also in prayer. We've got to grow up, particularly when it comes to intercessory prayer. And particularly when it comes to corporate intercessory prayer. You see, prayer is, at the same time, both the simplest thing in the world and the most complicated thing in the world. We have all heard very young children say the most profound, straightforward, and sometimes profound prayers, haven't we? And it's amazing. Prayer is so simple that the youngest can pray. But then we struggle a lot, don't we, with prayer? All sorts of questions. Why some prayers go unanswered? And what's the, pe- what's the part of, of faith? What does faith pray in the effectiveness of prayer? Sometimes when we read the Bible, it seems that faith is, is important. Other times, faith doesn't seem to be important at all. You see, we hear someone when someone is ill... And we pray, Lord, please heal that person and bring them back to full health. We hear someone has lost their job, and we pray, Lord, please comfort that person and give them a job again soon. We hear that someone has been arrested and put in prison for their faith, and we pray, Lord, uh, please be with them, and, and I pray that they will be released soon. Now, those are real prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with these prayers. And we should encourage people to pray like that, especially if they're children. Whether they're physically children or spiritually children. We should encourage them. And sometimes, even as a mature uh, Christian, uh, you're very busy and your attention is drawn on all sorts of other things. uh, And you haven't got a moment to think about it. And you have to pray these things as well. And in that situation, if you're a child or in that situation, those sort of prayers should be encouraged. These are real prayers, and I need to focus on that and emphasize that. Uh, and they have place in their context and, in the, and, and have real value. It is better to pray these sort of prayers than not pray at all. But they are childish prayers. They are childish prayers. They lack imagination. So what does it mean? Well, this is where the book of Hebrews also helps us. Because if we turn to chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews, and this verse has been referred to a couple of times over over the last few months, and I think Andy did quite recently. If we turn to Hebrews 13, we read these verses. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Or another version puts it a little bit clearer. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. This passage suggests that we pray, remember before God, pray, for other people, and we should use our imagination. 
we should imagine ourselves in their position. Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's quite difficult. Imagination is a great gift as we mature because we all have varied experiences. We have different things that we bring to our imagination. You see, I believe that mature praying is only possible if two things come together. One is our knowledge of Scripture and the other is our imagination. And our knowledge of Scripture hopefully grows over the years as we read and study and all that sort of thing. That's constantly growing, hopefully. But being imaginative about a situation requires us to stop, to think, to immerse ourselves in someone else's situation. Now, how does that work out, I wonder? I believe that our imagination should come to the fore whenever we pray for any subject. But let's look at this example that the book of Hebrews gives to us. It's always good to start with the examples that the Bible uh, gives us. The writer talks here about remembering before God, praying for someone in prison, and, and imagining what it would be like to share their situation in the context of the book of Hebrews, that means this person is in prison for their faith. They're not there because they have committed a criminal act and stolen something. No, they're there for their faith. And one of the best ways to try and think about it, uh, imagining another person's situation is to ask how they feel about the situation they're in. You see, this imagination thing, it's not so much a matter of knowing the facts. It's more a matter of imagining how people might feel. So let's try and do that now. This is where I want your imagination to, to come. Let's try and do that now. This is where we have to contribute. This is where you have to contribute. Here, imagination is needed. So you're a guy in prison for your faith. Let's say, let's say guy. It could be a woman, but let's say guy just for, okay. You're a person in, in prison for your faith. What would you feel like? What would you feel like initially when you went there? But what would you feel like as the days and the weeks and the months go on? What would you feel like? Low. Low. Alone. 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 Alone, even if you were surrounded by lots of other prisoners. Alone, yes. What else? What would you feel like? Afraid. Afraid. What are you afraid of? Other people in prison. Afraid of other people in prison, yes. Excited. Excited. Good. Excited. Okay. Now, okay. Do you, think, do you think your faith would be strengthened or do you think your faith would be challenged? Challenged, 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 challenged. Both. Yes, both. I think, you know, that some days it would be challenged and some days you'd feel strengthened. Yeah? So what would make the difference between whether you had a day when you were strengthened in your faith or challenged in your faith? What would make a difference to that? 
the Holy Spirit. Yep, sure. What else? Fruit. You know, positive opportunities. Yes. What else? Sorry? Prayer? Whose prayer? Your own prayer? And knowing other people are praying for you? Yes, yes. A visitor, well, if that was possible, that would certainly uh, affect things a little bit, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Now, what would be your chief concerns? Your family outside. Yes. So, how would you pass your time? Time, time I guess, drags in prison a bit. How do you pass your time? Reading might be possible. Exercise, somebody said. Again, it might be possible. Praying. Yes. What else? Thinking about what might happen when you get out? Yes, okay. What about, what would you look forward to on a daily basis? Or what would you look forward to on a, a weekly basis or maybe a yearly basis? What, what, would, what, what would, when you woke up, what would you look, what would you look, what would you look forward to? Food. Maybe, yes. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. What else? Fresh, fresh air. That would be good to look forward to, yes. Community. Yes. Hearing from someone else outside. Okay. But as Marion said, you're also going to be concerned about your family, yes? Your family outside. What, um, what are the main concerns this prisoner's going to have for his family? Safety. Safety. Okay, safety. How do you think the family outside is going to be treated by neighbours. Scorned upon? Yes. Shunned? Yes. If this, if this family has got children at school, how, how are they going to be treated at school? Bullied? Bullied? Yeah? Excluded? That's good. Okay, so going through, going through all that sort of thing. Um, uh, th this person, this, this spouse who's at home, what added responsibilities are they going to have because this guy's in prison? Oh. <laughs> Providing? Someone said something over there? No. Earning money? Finding, yep, earning money? Running the home? Looking after the rest of the family? Yes. What would bring the greatest blessing? What, this, this guy in prison is obviously concerned for those at home. What, what's he going to be concerned about? What, what, what does he want? What would bring the greatest blessing to those at home? And what would he pray for them? Someone would come alongside them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, let's move on to the next crowd. Now, now obviously, no, it's not just the, the family, but, but this guy is a Christian. He comes from a, a Christian community, a church community. Now, they're some of the people who get alongside them. But, 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 but what will, they will be, he will be concerned about them. Now, what are those people? 
if 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 uh, you know if if one of us was taken in prison, what 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 would we be concerned about? We are we next? Are we next? What other things we have to think about? Yes, association. Our own faith would take a knock. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But also you'd have to think, it wouldn't, it, maybe we should stop meeting. Yeah? Or maybe we should break down and meet in threes and fours because we just can't come together because we don't know who's going to come in and arrest the next person. Are we constantly being watched, do you think? I mean, the... This guy who was in prison may well have been interrogated and tortured. Do the authorities know the names of all of the Christians in the neighborhood now? And all their addresses? Maybe it is. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. What a worry. What a worry. So this person in prison is concerned for them too. How are they getting on? Now who's the person that this person in prison meets the most often. God. <laughs> the guard. So the guard. Oh, sorry. So you say God. God. The guard. Okay. The, the, the officer, the warden. Okay. So, so what is... Um, what, what does he think about him? I suppose what he thinks about him depends on what he thinks about the warden. But, okay... What is, how do you build a relationship? Does he, does he try and build a relationship with this guy? What, what does he think about? What does he think about this guy who serves him his food, who, who, who has the key to the... You know, maybe, maybe he sees him two or three times a day? More than anybody else, certainly. So how, what, what, what is his relationship with him? Okay. Might try and build it. Do you think? Do you think this warden, guy, this warden, this guard guy? Do you think he enjoys his job? What do you think he get gets most pleasure out of in his job? A pay packet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pay packet. Going home. Control. Yeah, he might get real pleasure from making life really difficult. For this guy, mightn't he? Alternatively, he might actually try and help the guy, wouldn't he? Could be either of those things, isn't it? Okay, and finally, what about the person who actually sent this guy to prison? The judge, the prosecutor, whatever he was. What does this man in prison think about him? Sorry? Scumbag. <laughs> maybe, maybe, not necessarily, but maybe, yes. What else? Pun? He would be praying for him. He'd be praying for him. Yes. If he was guilty, he thought he was a family. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but he would be praying for him. 
would we pray for him that he, in the pressures that his job involves? How, what are the pressures in terms of making the right decisions for him? Who does he feel responsible to? Very difficult. He's got a difficult job, hasn't he? And the, and, and the person in prison who we're trying to put ourselves in, the, he, he, has a, he thinks about this guy, he prays for this guy, Lorraine said, in a very, very difficult position. Now, okay, now we're in a position, <laughs> now we're in a position to pray as if we ourselves were in prison. We have thought about this per prison, person in prison, how he feels in his situation. We've, we've put how he relates to his family. How he feels about other local Christians. How he feels about this guard that he sees two or three times a day. How he feels about the person who's put him there. Now, two more points I want to make. And the first is this. We don't need to do all this questioning and analysis <laughs> before we pray. Now, it's, it's useful to ask a few questions, I guess. But we don't have to do all this before we pray. We can do a lot of this as we pray. Prayer is not supposed to be a series of little speeches. A prayer is a conversation. A conversation with each other and with God. And we learn, our imagination grows through what other people say and however people react. So we need to be imaginative so that that sparks imagination in other people. So as we pray about a situation, we need to listen to what other people are saying to God and to us. We learn to learn from it. We need to say, oh, that reminds me of something. Oh, that and I, we bring that into our prayers, right? Uh, so we don't have to do all this before we pray. We can do a lot of it as we pray. And secondly, I just want to say that we've used this example in Hebrews 13 because that's a great example to use. But actually, then it's re relevant to all our praying, or all our praying. Every time we come, whether we're praying about someone who's ill or we're praying about someone who's lost a job or all those things I mentioned before, anything we're praying about, we need to use our imagination in prayer. So let, let's do it, shall we? I'm going to suggest that we spend the next 10 minutes in prayer, I, in groups. Okay. And why I'm suggesting we're going, to, we're going to pray, because we've heard a lot about refugees, we're going to pray for refugees, okay? Gonna pray for refugees. Uh, many of you have met some of the Afghans, and that's fine. You, you, you got some information from them, but but lots of refugees from other places as well. And you may know some of them, or you know may have read some of the situation, or you may know of refugees in a particular country on, on a different continent. I don't know. Um, we but we could all. Try and imagine what it would feel like to leave family, friends, possessions, and everything that we recognize. We can all imagine what that would be like. And we can pray for <laughs> the officers of Border Force 
who are, who are forced to try and deal with this situation in some way or other. Yeah? And we can pray about the facilities in, in, in countries. You know, we've invited all these Afghan refugees here and we're going to house them, but we haven't got enough housing for anybody, have we? We're short of housing. So what happens here? Okay, all sorts. So let's, let's do that a bit together. Can I just encourage you to just turn around, get into groups, five or six, five or six people, and let's spend ten minutes trying to...